field, the Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I don't know what sort of feelings or emotions or smells or sounds or sights you associate with home, the word home. But for me, the home where I grew up um, was, was awesome. I'm going to put a picture of it on screen. I'm not because I don't have magic powers, but there it is. So um, this, is, this is a picture of my home. It is that dark and gray in England. It's not, there's no filter required. That is just how gray it is. It rains a lot. And uh, this is the home where I grew up. And so we moved from the Midlands when I was really young, maybe three or four. In 1981, we moved up north and we moved into this house. And until I got married in 1999, tonight we're going to party like it's 1999, means something really different for me because that's when we got married. But um, anyway, so, uh, so for almost 20 years, we lived in this house. This was the, the place that I called home. And um, I have two brothers, an older brother, his name's Richard. He was one school year above me. And a younger brother whose name's Keith, who was two school years below me. So we're really close in age. Here's a picture of us when we were kids. Look at that. I don't know if you had Vicky the Viking here in the, in the 80s. I can tell by that blank expression that we're already in Baba Black Sheep territory. <laughs> so the really angelic looking one in the middle is me. <laughs> the snotty one on the end is my younger brother Keith and then Richard's over there. We all had home haircuts. My mum used to cut our hair as you can tell. And, um, and so much so that when we turned into teenagers we just didn't let her cut our hair at all. Look at this, look at this shot. Oh wow. So this girl on the bottom right hand corner is me. <laughs> With the long hair there. And that's uh, my mom and dad. And behind my mom and dad, that's my dad's homemade shoe rack. Look at that. That's some serious project right there. Don't leave your shoes on the floor because I'm going to make a little square for each pair you've got. And there it is. And uh, I think we should probably take that off. Um, but the home we grew up in was really, it was really a home. And I know that you know what that feels like, that feeling of when you get home. You know, if you've been on vacation, as you call it, we call it on holiday, um, I'm just going to go with straight up English phrases just to sort of mix it up a bit. So if I say pavement, you know I'm talking about sidewalk, okay? If I say holiday, I'm not talking about Christmas, I'm talking about vacation. So you know what it's like when you've been on holiday and uh, you get home and even though the holiday may well have been great and it may have been awesome and you may have enjoyed the hotel, there's something awesome about getting home through your front door. And even if the hotel was awesome and the bed was great, there's something so cool about getting into your own bed, that sense of like, exhale, relax, be yourself, because I am home. Even the floors, I don't mean floor as in F-L-O-O-R, but F-L-A-W-R. Even the floors in your own home are reassuring. You know what I'm saying? Like in my house, right? You know, if you were going to sell the house, you'd probably fix these things. But considering you're going to stay there, you just live with it. Maybe it's an English thing, I don't know, but in my house, the, our, we have a grill, okay? So I don't know if it means the same to you, so not, you don't grill on it, you put food under it. Is that called a grill? Do you know what that is? No, this is like some kind of weird science that I'm talking about here. Anyway, so the, you pull the, the, the grill door down like this, and then you'd put bread or bacon or whatever, and you, you slide it under the grill. It's not an oven, that's different, this is like, this is, we call this a grill. Anyway... So uh, we smashed the glass. There's two panes of glass on the front of the grill, and we smashed the front pane. So now when you pull it down, you let go, and it goes back up again. 
And so if you want to make some toast or you want to do some bacon, you pull it down, you go to the fridge, and then when you turn back around, it's closed. So in my house, next to the oven, there's a cupboard. You have a drawer for this because you're a lot more tidy than me. You know that drawer in your house that's just full of all the junk that you don't know what to do with? You know, it's the instructions for the coffee machine. It's the batteries. It's all the stuff. You know, batteries, you don't know if they're, they're dead or not, but you just keep them just in case. Yeah. So we have a full cupboard just for that in our house, and it's next to the oven. And in that is a very unused dumbbell. <laughs> dumbbell, a weight, yeah? As you can see, totally unused. <laughs> and so what we have to do in our house is we put the grill door down, open the cupboard, get the dumbbell, put it on. And it stays down. Awesome. My daughter, I have a, a four-year-old daughter. She turns five at camp next week. We've told, we haven't told her that we're going to youth camp. She just thinks 500 teenagers are coming to her birthday party. <laughs> so that would be awesome. In her bedroom, the window doesn't quite close properly, doesn't stay closed, and, and it's quite cold where we live. And so we've just tied it up with a pair of her tights. Yeah, just... And because it's our house, it's not strange to see, you know, some underwear just up on the window there. But of course, you know, if you came, we'd be like, oh, better hide that. Hope they don't want to use the grill. The flaws, even the things that are wrong with your home, they're still quite reassuring. It's kind of like, I feel like I'm home because I have to put a dumbbell on the grill. That's so awesome. And um, let me read you the same verse from Psalm 84, but this is from the message. Uh, it's not really a translation, is it, the message? It's like a paraphrase of the Bible. Contemporary English, I guess, would be the way they describe it. This is the same verse, or some of the same verses, just verse 1 and 2 in the message. And when I read this, the way it described it, God really began to speak to me about what church is supposed to be for me and you. So it says these words in verse 1 and 2 in the message. It says what, so in NIV it says how lovely is your dwelling place, but in the message it says what a beautiful home. God of the angel armies, I've always longed to live in a place like this, always dreamed of a room in your house where I could sing for joy to God alive. My message this morning is called Home, and it's really simple. I want you to leave this place knowing that God's house is home for you. God's house is home for you, and not just for you. God's house is supposed to be home for you and any person that lives in this community should be able to find a home in God's house. This is not a religious club where, you know, like a members club, an exclusive club. This is not a place where, you know, if you're holy, you get in. This is supposed, oh, that's like in a restaurant when they're like, okay, we want to shut. <laughs> Finish your salad. Are you laughing because I don't eat salad? God's house is home for me and you. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your reputation is. It doesn't matter what's been said to you or about you. God's house is home for me and you. There's nothing like it on earth. This is not a personality type or a political opinion or a style or a trend. It's not just a charitable organization that does good things for people or some kind of gathering every week of the holy elite. This is home. But who for? Who's it home for? Well, I guess it's easy to answer that question and say it's, it's home for anyone. It's home for everyone. It's home for me and you. But that leads me to another question is how? How do we make church home 
for ourselves and for the community that we're trying to reach. How do we do that? Well, the Bible actually goes on to tell us a little bit later in the book of Psalms, in Psalm 92. It says this in Psalm 92, verse 12 and 13. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Church is home for me and you, and here's how you make it home, is you plant yourself. Being planted in God's house is the key ingredient into, first of all, making church feel like home for you, and then you understanding how much responsibility you have in making church home for someone else. Don't try and feel at home without first deciding to be planted in the house of God. So, as I was thinking about this and God began to speak to us uh, in our church, we actually, uh, God showed us what we've called the circles of belonging, the circles of belonging, three ingredients, three things that we can make our business so that we really can build a church that's home, not just for us, although that can be a challenge because it's possible to be in church and it not feel like home. So for us to build a church that feels like home for us, but then also a home for the people trying to reach, we, we, God gave us three ingredients, three things that mean you really planted in God's house so that we can actually make an impact in the kingdom of God. We can actually make a difference in the communities where our churches are not just accidentally placed, but actually God put us here with a mission in mind to reach people and transform society one person at a time. And so I want to go through these three things, through these three circles really quick. The first one, I don't know if you take notes in this church, in our church we do, but I think that's mostly because we've got bad memories or short attention spans or, or both. Um, but uh, if, you, if you're going to write notes, here's the first circle of belonging, it's revelation. Revelation. Now, I don't know what you understand by the word revelation. Um, it, I guess it's one of those church words, could be one of those spooky words that, that we say, but we don't really know what it means or we forget what it means, but a good definition of revelation that I've heard is when God shows you something that was previously hidden. When God shows you something that was previously hidden, it wasn't hidden from you because he's mean, it was hidden for you because he loves you. A little bit like a treasure hunt, you know? When I buy a gift for my kids, I don't just give it to them, you know, here you go, there's a present, throw it at them. No, I'll wrap it up. I conceal it, I hide it, because the intimacy of the experience is multiplied tenfold when you sort of create a treasure hunt moment. I mean, that's what wrapping paper is. It sort of extends the discovery process and really makes the process a shared, intimate experience. It would be nice for my kids if I gave them a new Xbox. They would be like, yeah, woo, this is awesome. But what would be better is if I wrapped it up, or even better if I wrapped it up and I hid it for them. And I left them a little note saying, there's a gift for you, you have to find it. And they would be looking all over the house, and we would do that hot and cold thing. Do you do that here when you're, like, you're getting warmer? You're getting warmer. No, freezing cold. You're in Iceland. You, you, your mouth, no, no, you're getting warmer. And that whole treasure hunt means that they are getting excited. I'm getting excited because I know what they're going to get. And then eventually, they kind of walk right by it, and one of them will catch it with their foot, and then they'll find it, and they'll open it, and they'll be like tearing sort of strips off, and they'll be shaking it, and they'll be saying, what is it, Dad? What is it, Dad? And they'll say, you've got to see, you're going to open it. And when they finally tear off the paper, they're like, yeah, 
said, this is awesome. Thank you, Dad. And I'm like, this is a shared experience. And that's exactly what God's like with you and I. He has littered your life with incredible treasure for you to discover. It's called revelation. It's not about being in the right place at the right time. In the UK, we have a national lottery where you buy a ticket and then you, you, know, you can win a million quid. You know what a quid is? It's a pound. A million quid. And it's a national lottery and you buy a ticket and you can win a million quid. And the advertising campaign for the lottery, what they had when it first came out was this giant sized finger, like a, almost like a God sized finger that people in the adverts, in the advertisements, people would be going about their job, they'd be like shopping or working. And then this giant sized finger would come from the sky and go, it's you, and point to a person. And that was the advertising campaign. And I grew up in church thinking that Revelation was like that. That God is just like spinning planets for fun and then just sort of randomly chose you and you get some revelation. I used to listen to preachers preach and they would say, I was driving down the road the other day and God said to me, and I'd be like, why does God never say it to me? You know, God said turn left and I just wanted to go, keep going straight. And so I had this conversation with the Holy Spirit and I'd be sat in church going, what? I've, I've never had, like, God's, ne like, why is God put, doing his big finger out of the sky to the preacher and he's not doing it to me? Like, I felt almost insecure, like, like, what's wrong with me? And then I realized that Revelation is not a lottery, it's actually a treasure hunt. And we, are, we, have to, we have to go after this stuff. God's hidden it in your relationships, he's hidden it in, in, in the circumstances of your life. And, and, and if you want somewhere really obvious, you know, if you want to do the, the, the basic level Revelation, just, it's all in the book. We just got to go looking for it. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like uh, I think it's in Matthew. This isn't in my notes, but it says, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he finds one, he goes and sells everything he has so he can get it. How many people know pearls don't grow on trees? They don't fall out the sky. They live inside oysters at the bottom of the ocean. And if you're going to get one, you're going to have to get your scuba gear on. You're going to have to get a wetsuit on. You're going to have to swim down where the pressure's intense, where there's predators and stuff like that. And you're going to have to risk your life to get it and, and sort of like, you know, swim back up to the top, drag yourself into the boat, open your hand, and you're like, this is mine. But you know what happens in church often? We, we basically say, go ahead, pastor. If you could go swimming for me, if you, could, if you could go down to the bottom of the ocean, just swim up with a pearl for me, and then, and then I'll take it. And then we say things, oh, it's all right for you, pastor. That's the equivalent of staying in the boat with your suit on, looking good, and then pastor swims up, all tired, all caught and beaten, got nearly no oxygen left in his oxygen tank, kind of pulls himself into the boat on Sunday morning, shows you the pearl, and you go, oh, well, it's all right for you. I wish I was on staff at church. I wish I could sit around reading my Bible all day. No, 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 Revelation is a treasure hunt. And let me tell you, if you want church to be home for you, you are going to have to be personally committed. Yeah, we're so grateful, pastors, that you, you teach us and you share your revelation with us, but we've got to go after it ourselves. You've got to get a revelation of who God is. And from that revelation of who he is, you will get more revelation as to who he says you are. I'm telling you what, there's people that leave churches and do all this kind of stuff all over the world, but I'm telling you what, if you want to be planted in the house of God, you've got to be personally committed to being a person that is, walks in, lives in revelation. There's nothing like it on planet earth. Jacob, there's a famous story, isn't there, in, in, um, in Genesis 28. Verse 16 says this, when Jacob woke up from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. 
when Jacob said, how awesome is this place? There's no question mark at the end of that sentence in my, my translation because he isn't actually asking a question. He's, not, you know, he's basically saying, you can't even measure how good this is. He's had a revelation as to how awesome the house of God is. I mean, you know some things you can't measure with a number? Things like love. How much do you love me? Six. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's good. What's the scale go up to? If it's up to 100, I feel pretty insecure about that. But if it's up to seven, I'm like, okay, good. And it's like Jacob has that moment. He wakes up and he's like, I can't even put into words how awesome this is. I am literally in the house of God. That is what we're supposed to feel, that sense of awe, when we come to church. Now, I know we've got our flaws. Remember the reassurance? Remember the dumbbell? Next time someone offends you at church, just remember the dumbbell. Don't, don't, you know, don't get angry with it, but I'm saying just remember the grill. Remember the English guy with the underwear tied around his window. Just remember that. The second circle, and these all overlap, and when you get these three all in one sweet spot, I really believe it calls, it, we can call that home. But the second one is responsibility. Responsibility, I think we all understand when it comes to our own homes that there's a level of responsibility. We, you know, if, if something goes wrong in my home, I don't go round to the neighbor's house and knock on the door. So we have, uh, we, we have this thing in England called heating. I know you don't know what that is, but it's like it heats your house. You guys don't need it because it's so boiling here. But, but in England, we have heating, and so we have a boiler, which basically heats the house, and so we have radiators on all the walls, and you know, we, wear, we wear like long sleeves and scarves and things like that inside. And, um, and, and, and a boiler would maybe cost like a, a thousand quid. That's like $300,000. No, it's not really, it's not really. It costs a thousand quid for a boiler. If my boiler breaks at my house, I'm not going to go around to my neighbors and knock on and say, hey, Carol, my boiler's broke. Do you want to chip in? Do you want to contribute? Because she would understand your house, your boiler. If you come to my house for a meal, I'm not going to make you wash up because we're going to eat takeaway. No, I'm just joking. We're not. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're going to have proper home-cooked English roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, fish and chips, the whole lot. You can come next Saturday. I'll still be here, so you can go if you want. Uh, because we all understand home equals responsibility, and that is absolutely no different to the house of God. If you want to call the church home, you have to get to that point in your walk of faith. And I know this can take time. It's not about, you know, you, you meet Jesus for the first time, and next week you're in serving. But there needs to come a moment in your walk with God, your, your faith journey, when you recognize, hey, I've got to take some responsibility in this house, otherwise it's not going to feel like home. And so, you know, in our church, we always say, and like I said, I, I get the feeling we're kind of on the same page here, Pastor, but in our church, we always say it's not one size fits all. Not everybody has to serve God the same way. Not everyone's got the same level of availability and flexibility, and it's not if you can't jump through all these hoops, then you don't get in. But there needs to come a moment when you walk through the doors of the house and you go, you know what, this is my home. It's about time I took some level of responsibility. And, and, you know, I know there's great kids programs and youth programs and people, you know, kind of doing stewarding and all this kind of stuff. There's so many different things, I'm sure, because it would be just like my church. There'd be so many opportunities. And I'm telling you what, if you go up to pastor today and say, um, is, is, it, is it okay if I serve? He's going to have you signed up before you've even finished the sentence. You're going to say, is it okay if? And you might be saying, you, you know, go on holiday for three weeks. He's going to go, yes, sign here. Serve on this team. You know, because, because to make the church happen, 
and to help the church grow. It's easy to look at church and go, you know what, everything's covered. Looks pretty good, you know, the, the music sounds, I mean, what a voice. What, what's the worship leader called, Aaron? Aaron, just like, what a voice, and the drummer was awesome. You could sit in church and just be like, everything's covered. Let me tell you now, I know from being in church for the last 40 years, everything is not covered. And there's some people somewhere who've been on rota, we call it rota, you call it roster, is that right? You've been on team for like weeks and weeks and weeks, and to get the best out of them, they need to come off just for a week. And you can fill in on that week because we all understand for church to be home takes not just revelation, that is really important, but also responsibility. Church is home for me and you. The third circle, and this is the key one, I'm going to finish with this, is relationships. Relationships. Can you see that uh, area in the middle there where all three circles overlap? That is what I call home. That is what the psalmist was talking about in Psalm 92 when he said, planted in the house. If you can go after these three circles, I believe, because God spoke to us in England, and I believe it's true here, like all kingdom principles, this, this is true over time, geography, generations, but if we plant ourselves smack bang in the middle of those three circles, first thing that will happen is we will get that moment in God's house where you go, ah. I've found where I belong. And from that place of strength, it breeds confidence, it breeds creativity. You know when you're at home, you get that sense of like confidence that you don't have when you're out. You know, you know those moments in your, in, in your family home where you just like laugh until your sides hurt. You know, you do all the funny impressions and you do all the songs and all the goofy stuff. And then when you go out, you kind of like, you, check, you, you kind of check your social uh, filter at the door, you know, you kind of make sure, I mean, you know what it's like in your own home, you've got your comfy pants that you wear, you know what I'm saying, big elasticated waist, you don't need to be trendy, you don't need, you don't need to look like Corey, you know, I reckon Corey at home has just got these like big old elasticated trousers, like t-shirt that is worn for like months and months, and I don't mean the trendy ones that are designed to look that way, I mean just the straight up ripped ones that just are ripped, not ripped by the designer, ripped by Corey, you know what I'm saying? Because there's a level of confidence and creativity that you have at home and, oh, I thought my wife was calling me. It's okay. I wasn't going to take it. I, was just, I wasn't going to take it. Hey, babe. What's up? No, I wasn't going to do that. There's a level of creativity and confidence that comes when you're at home and the same can be true in God's house. And can you imagine how we could reach a community if people here were just confident and creative and, 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 and not worried about trying to impress anyone or compare themselves to anyone, but actually walked through the doors and was like, ah, oh, this is where I belong. That's how we can go into our schools and, 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 and reach young people. That's how we can reach families and communities when we're not too bothered about checking our social filter. We're not sort of, you know, see how, how many followers we've got on, on social media and things like that. We don't care about that stuff because we found where we belong. And, you know, I always say when it comes to social media, and I'll, I'll tell the young people in the next service, my friend's dog has got 30,000 followers on Instagram. So whenever I'm feeling insecure about my 300 or whatever it is, I'm like, oh, if only I had 301. And then I look at their dog and I'm like, okay, I'm done, forget it. <laughs> He's got 30,000. Let, this actually means nothing. Um, and so, so that's what I'm talking about. The third circle is relationships. The home I grew up in was not defined by the walls or the decoration and definitely not the haircuts, as you could see. Uh, that is not what made it home. It was the people 
relationships, meaningful, authentic, life-giving, I see you, you see me, I know you, you know me, I'm not going to get away with pretending. Those kind of relationships, when you have those, that's what makes a place feel like home. It may make it feel uncomfortable sometimes. You may argue sometimes, but you only really argue with the people that you love. Because there's no point arguing with someone you don't know. If you're arguing with someone you don't know, then you're just being dumb. (laughs) But when you argue with your sister, when you argue with your brother, those are like proper arguments. You know what I'm saying? There's those fights, those fights between brothers. Oh my, me and my brothers growing up, I mean, we would just nearly kill each other. We, We, on Sundays, we were like the Waltons, but through the week, we were like the Simpsons. We just, you know, we just went crazy with each other. But there's something about relationships. My mum and dad, after we all got married and moved out of that, uh, of that house, my mum and dad, they sold it. We were heartbroken. But, um, but they were, you know, selfish and it's all good. <laughs> I've got over it now. They sold that house and they bought a bungalow. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like a one-story house. We have just the cutest English phrases for things that you would just call a house. We call it a bungalow. Can you say that back to me, bungalow? bungalow. Oh, it sounds so cool when you say it. There's a bungalow, and so they bought this little house, and it was so awesome. And just after Christmas, just, just this year, my mum went on a mission to the Philippines, and so my dad organized a boys' night for him and my two brothers and I to go to their house. And even though that house, we've never slept there, we never stayed there overnight. I mean, I take, you know, I leave the kids there every now and again, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead, go and spend the weekend at grandma's. But, but, but I've never stayed there, I've never lived there, I've never called that place home. But I'm telling you what, five minutes into the boys' night, when it was me, my two brothers, and my dad, and we had some Indian food, some curry, and we watched two movies. We watched The Great Escape. You know that movie? Come on now, people of a certain age. We watched The Great Escape and another film called The Great Race, two like classic old school movies that we sat and watched together. And within five minutes, I'm looking around the room and I'm like, this is home. I've never stayed here, I've never lived here, but they're here, so it's home. That's exactly what it's like in the church. Life-giving, meaningful relationships are what make a place call home. I'm, I'm coming into land, so I'm just gonna skip down to these famous verses in... Uh, in Ecclesiastes. You would know these from a wedding. If you go to a wedding, this is like the preacher's go-to passage. I've preached at loads of weddings, always go to this passage. But it's actually not just about a marriage relationship, it's about relationships in general. And we can take some inspiration from it. It says this, Ecclesiastes 9, Ecclesiastes 4, excuse me, 4, verse 9. It says, uh, in the NIV, it says two are better than one. But in the message version, which I'm reading from, it says it's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. If one falls down, the other helps. If there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. By yourself, you're unprotected, but with a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope is not easily snapped. These verses are loaded, and we haven't got time because we're going to pray in just a moment. Maybe if the, the worship team can come up and help me right now as we, as we, as we bring this into land. If I was the captain, I would be, say, please, I'd be saying, please fasten your seatbelts. Put your tray tables up. Seats in the upright position. Wheels are down. Flaps are out. Oh, you know, uh, Remington's a pilot. So, uh, yeah, push the button, Rem. We're going in. Oh, wow. That was good, Aaron. Thanks, mate. You can do both. Oh, I'm so jealous. It talks about church, it talks about relationships, and, and we can take from that when, when we develop meaningful relationships in the house of God. It says, if one falls, the other helps. 
You know, church is supposed to be a place, not, it's not supposed to be a place for perfect people. It's actually supposed to be a place where people can fall. You don't get clean before you get in the shower. I mean, unless you've got a really new bathroom. When we first got married, there was about two, three weeks after the honeymoon where Zoe was like, you know, you go and get hosed off in the backyard and then you can use the bathroom. But that wears off, you know what I'm talking about. You don't get clean before you get in the shower. The shower is to get you clean. And the church is not supposed to be a place for perfect people. We need to build a church that's home for people who fall. But you know why it's okay if everyone falls? It's because everyone helps. If everyone falls, it's okay if everyone helps. And that's what relationships enable us to do. That's what relationships give us the freedom to do. But the thing I want to focus on, then we're going to pray, is this here. Where it says, share the work, share the wealth. I don't know if you have this kind of culture in your church, probably not because your church is perfect, but in our church in England, we have what we call a click culture, where there's uh, this idea, this understanding that there's exclusive groups. You know those cliques, those groups of friends? But God began to speak to me about how we can change that in our church, and I want to share it with you, and that's this definition. This is a harsh definition, but I want you to go with it. The definition of a click is a group that you don't belong to. Now, what that means is, is for both the individual who feels excluded and the group of people that know each other and are perceived to be a clique, both groups of people have some responsibility. You see, if you're in the group that know each other and see each other and every week you sit together in church and you kind of know about each other's lives and kids and how's it going at work, that group, you don't think you're a clique. You don't sit at home rubbing your hands together going, How can we be exclusive? You know, let's come up with a secret handshake and all this. No, we don't do that. Because the definition of a clique is a group you're not in. And so you think maybe the other groups are exclusive. You think there's other cliques around the church, but not your group because you're, you're just friends. Now, I know you didn't intend it to be that way. It wasn't your intention. But to the guy over there, he thinks you're a clique. He thinks he can't break in. He thinks he doesn't belong. And it's not your fault because I'll talk to him in a minute about his insecurity. But we do have some responsibility in this group here. Yes, we've got to know each other. We've got to be authentic with each other, but we can't be exclusive. We've got to recognize that although we didn't set out to be a clique, it may be that others perceive us to be that way. So that gives us a level of responsibility to make sure that we include people, get people along to your small groups, your programs, your different things. If you're going out with a group of people, instead of just doing the same crew all the time, have a look out. See who's, see who's lonely. See who feels excluded. Because they're probably, even though they're giving that vibe of like, don't talk to me, they're probably feeling inside, please talk to me. It's protection, isn't it? We, we give off that vibe like, you know, And so people come to church, and let me talk to this guy for a minute. You feel excluded. You feel like nobody sees you, nobody knows you. You feel like that group over there is exclusive, and that they met five minutes before you came in and and discussed how they were going to leave you out. They didn't. They didn't. They don't even realize. They're not a clique as far as they're concerned. It just is to you because you're not in it. And when you get in it, you'll be like, oh, no, we're not a clique. We 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 just love everybody. We just, but while you're not in it, it feels like one. And so we have to have a level of responsibility, even as individuals, that we don't say things like, I came to church, nobody spoke to me. Ever heard that phrase? We hear that a lot in our church. There's no love in this church. I was going through this problem, nobody cared. Well, the reality is, nobody knew. And so we sit there feeling sorry for ourselves, going, well, nobody came and asked me, nobody came and spoke to me. I only, uh, you know, and what happens is, is we get stuck in one of the circles. Get stuck in the get stuck in the responsibility circle all by yourself and you just hide behind serving. You serve every week and do all this stuff because you know that 
without that, you don't really have any friends. I mean, you can get stuck in the relationship circle and be a social Christian too. And it's all about who's going and who's not going. And I'll, I'll not, you, you go to church depending on who's preaching or who's sitting where. And if you sit in my seat, then I don't want to go anymore. All of that stuff. But the sweet spot, if you just put the very last slide on, sweet spot says home in the middle. I haven't got time to do all that other stuff. But I feel like God asked me to come here to share with you. <laughs> There's a few things on there. You're like, what does that mean? There's some weird Christians up there at the top. You just have to trust me on that one. This spot right here in the middle is Psalm 92, Pastor. This is Psalm 84. And I know that this understanding is going to transform this church and the community it's trying to reach if we make it our business. The thing is, Pastor cannot do this for you. He can't do relationships for you. Even small groups... You know, I don't, do you have a small group program here? Yeah, even small groups. You know, you can't say, okay, you two are in the same small group. Ready, steady, go. Be friends, go. Go. Why are you not friends? Come on, be friends. No, no, no. It takes time. Someone's got to walk across the room. The guy on his own has got to walk over to the group or the group has got to walk over to the guy. Somebody's got to do something. It takes time. We can't serve for you. We definitely can't have revelation for you. If you live on pastor's revelation alone, then you're going to get tired. You're going to get bored. You're going to get distracted and you're going to leave. Whereas, if you're committed, I'm going to be a person of revelation. I understand that home means I take responsibility. And I will be committed to initiating and maintaining what I would call life-giving relationships. And you will find yourself smack bang in the middle of home. It will breed confidence. It will breed courage. It will breed creativity. And before you know it, the doors will be full of people coming in because we've created a place called home. Only if you would... Be brave and respond to God this morning because I believe he's speaking to us. Would everyone in the room just close your eyes for a moment? And I want to pray for you if you feel as though God has been speaking to you this morning about one of those circles. Something that you've either been stuck in, so that's been your entire church experience. You've been all one circle. Or maybe you can think of a circle where you're like, yeah, that is, that is something I'm missing, something I'm lacking. And if that's you, I want to pray for you. So would you stand to your feet? This is not for anybody in the room. This is for, this is for you. So if you want to respond to this, stand, okay? You're saying, yeah, I'm in, I'm in one of those spots. When I've prayed, I'm going to hand over, I think, to Pastor. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you wouldn't have us stay the same forever, but you want us to change. I thank you that each one of these people you've been speaking to today, you have showed them something in their life, something in their walk with you, and now they realize that's why I don't feel at home sometimes. It's because I've got one of these things out of whack. But God, right now, I pray for the courage, the creativity, the confidence to, to make the decisions that it's required to do what Jacob did and wake up to the fact that this is the house of God, the gateway to heaven. And so therefore, I will pursue revelation. I will take responsibility and I will initiate, maintain life-giving relationships in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Would you all stand to your feet and give God a big shout of praise? He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you, Pastor. Hey, can we give a big hand of appreciation to Paul Reed today? Paul, you did an outstanding job. You know, 250 years ago, when we separated from England, we should have negotiated you over on our side, maybe. Great job. Great job. Really appreciate your message. Everybody be seated just for a couple of minutes, okay? Uh, let me just share a couple things. We're going to start changing the order of service. But uh, first of all, Paul, I appreciate your heart today. I appreciate what you shared because it's very much in line with the heart of what we're doing here at the Bridge Church. And I want to tell you something. If that message spoke to you today, and it should have spoke to everyone here, if it spoke to you today and there's an area that maybe, you know, you're lacking and you need to get involved in, let me tell you what, there are a lot of people here who'd love to wrap their arms around you and say, you're family to us. You're welcome here at the bridge. And I appreciate so much the message today. But maybe, maybe you're here today. And maybe you've never really committed your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe inside as he was praying, you're thinking, God, I want, I want revelation. I want to know you. I want to learn to walk with you. I want to tell you this. Before you leave today, we've got a little booklet we want to give you called The Next Seven Days. And it's a simple little tool that we give you that will tell you how to start building that relationship with God. What prayer is all about. What God's Word is all about. What it really means to be in relationship with God. We want to give this to you. And there's two ways you can get it. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams here at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone for any need you might have. But if you just walk down to one of these teams and say, hey, can I get one of the booklets? We'd love to give it to you right here. If you don't remember the name the next seven days, just say, can I get the booklet? We'll give it to you right here. We want to help you get started walking with God. No strings attached. If you want to visit, we'll visit with you. If you've got questions, we'll answer your questions. If you just want to get it and go, that's okay. If you need prayer for something, we want to pray with you. We want to help you today. If you're in a really big rush, before you leave the building, the glass doors right in the middle as you exit. There's a table set up there that says the next seven days on the sign. You can stop by there and get the very same booklet. We simply want to help you start building your relationship with God. Can we just welcome new family members into God's family today? God bless you. And then this is the part of the service where we take time out to just stop and give back to God. We give him our tithe. We give him our offerings. We thank him for his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. And as pastor, I want to share one simple thing with you this morning, one thought and then one need that we have. You know, I am, I am so thrilled this month. My heart is just overflowing at what happened here with our kids' day camp, with what's happening this week with youth camp. My heart is just overflowing that we have a church of people who want to be a church of, of multi-generations. We want to pass that faith, as we talked about last week, have generational faith and pass it on to our children and our grandchildren. Thank you so much for your faithful support. We've been talking about world missions and what we've been doing around the world. Next weekend, this coming Saturday, we have our back-to-school bash. We'll be giving away 2,000 backpacks full of school supplies. And as you know, this is a part of our outreach. We do this through community care. But everybody in the church needs to get involved in this event. And many of you don't have the time to serve that day or you've got other commitments. But one of the ways you can be involved is by helping us provide 
those backpacks, those back-to-school haircuts, uh, the physicals that we do for back-to-school sports physicals, uh, the gently used clothing, the pancake breakfast. You can help us by helping provide those school supplies and those backpacks. It costs us about how much a backpack is it? I'm sorry, I can't see that many fingers. Close one eye. Seven, it's about seven, eight dollars a backpack to do that. And they're great backpacks full of supplies. If you want to give something special toward this today, just designate that gift towards community care because we do that through our community care program. And there's different ways you can give. Let me say this morning, thank you for your faithfulness, for caring about others. As the ushers come right now to receive our offerings today and our giving to God, let's watch our church news together. and I want to thank you for joining us today at The Bridge. We're so happy that we get to spend Sunday with you and your family. We want you to be a part of everything that's happening in church life throughout the summer months. So let's take a look at what's happening at The Bridge. We are just a few weeks away from launching a new term of Connect Groups right here at The Bridge. Connect Groups are more than just a place to meet new friends in the church. They're also a place where personal ministry happens all the time and people can give and receive from one another. We are excited about this new term, and we want to invite everyone who is interested in leading a Connect Group to join us for a special Leaders Luncheon. It's on Sunday, August 13th, immediately following the 11 a.m. service. That's just two weeks away. And we also want to invite everyone who has previously led a group to join us for this lunch as we talk about how Connect Groups will be expanding and playing an even larger role right here in our church. We'll provide complimentary lunch and childcare. All we need is for you to sign up at the Connection Center so that we can plan for you and your family. We're excited about this new term of Connect Groups, and we hope that you will be a part of it. The Bridge Church is excited to announce Back to School Bash 2017. It's happening on Saturday, August 5th at 9 a.m., and we would love for you to be part of it. This is our biggest outreach event of the year for students whose families are facing financial hardship. We will be giving away 2,000 free backpacks filled with school supplies, along with free gently used clothing, free back-to-school haircuts, and free sports physicals for participating student-athletes. There will also be a free pancake breakfast provided by our local scout troop. If you would like to volunteer, stop by the Connection Center today and sign up. We are excited to help families and students in need at Back to School Bash. First Wednesday Prayer is happening this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. If you have not yet been a part of our First Wednesday Prayer Nights, we invite you to join us for this powerful night as we pray for our church, our nation, and for individual needs. We know that God answers the prayers of His people, so come and pray with us for God's kingdom to come in our church and our community. Childcare is provided for all kids, infant through fifth grade. We hope to see you there. If you're here for the first time, we want to meet you and help you find home at the bridge. Stop by the Connection Center after the service and say hi. Our team is here to help, answer your questions, and tell you more about everything that's happening in church life. You can also stay connected by visiting our website, thebridgechurch.tv. There you'll find all the details about everything that's coming up. And if you made a decision to follow Christ today, please pick up your free copy of The Next 7 Days from one of our prayer teams or at The Next 7 Days desk in the foyer. We want to help you get started in your walk with God. Thanks again for spending your Sunday with us here at The Bridge. 
Hey, if you've enjoyed church today and Pastor Paul Reed, give him one more good hand this morning. Great to have you. I want to share just two real quick things before we go. Um, first of all, we do have prayer night this coming Wednesday night. If you've never been to prayer night, they are so special. We have great times here from 7 o'clock till 8 o'clock. While youth is going on, child care is provided. We gather, we talk about prayer and teach for about 10 minutes, and then we pray for about 30 minutes individually, and then we join together at the end and really focus together, and we pray for special needs. Feel free to join us. We'd love for you to be here. And also in doing this, as you leave today at the Connection Center, there are prayer cards available there. If you have a special need you want us to be praying over, be sure and stop, fill out one of those cards, and drop it off there at the Connection Center because we want to pray for your need. And then the second thing is with Back to School Bash coming up this coming Saturday, it's going to be a special time right now, immediately following this service, there is a meeting taking place is in the SLC in the SLC, there'll be a meeting for everyone, every volunteer involved in the back-to-school bash. So as soon as service is over, go out those doors, head to the left through those other doors, into the SL or into the Bridge Youth area, and we'll have the meeting right there. And uh, last thing is, on Friday, we'll be setting everything up for back-to-school bash. If you can come Friday morning and help us for an hour, two hours, three hours, get everything set up, it would be an amazing blessing because I don't want to do it all by myself, okay? How many of you would like to, how many would like to see a youth pastor work? Well, you don't even be back, will you? You know what? You can do cleanup when we, on Saturday then, okay? And anyway, we will put him to work. God bless you. And, and, you know, prayer night, Wednesday night, God answers prayer. I've been praying for a new iPad, and God just... Sorry, Pastor, I, I, I'm going to interrupt you real quick, because uh, today is um, a very special day. It's actually Pastor Gary's birthday. So <clears throat> he didn't know that I was going to come up here and embarrass him. But would you guys just, before you leave today, if you see Pastor Gary, would you wish him a very happy, happy birthday? Would you do that? You guys are dismissed. We love you, and we'll see you Wednesday for prayer.